What's going on? It's Joey Thurman, and welcome to Season 3 of the Fad or Future Podcast. Yeah, I made it three seasons. What's different about this season? Well, yes, I'm still bringing you the world's top experts in fitness, nutrition, mental health, and more. But I'm also talking about my own personal struggles. I get deeper this season because we can all use a little bit of relatability. So I hope you stick with me, you enjoy this season, and thank you for being here. And as always, you get to decide, is it a fad or is it a future? Because after all, we don't want to be fatties, F-A-D-D-Y. Hashtag don't be a fatty. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Fat or Future podcast. I'm Joey Thurman. You should know that if you don't, I'm not quite sure what you tune into, but you, know, you can stay right here. Uh, in front of me, Wendy Reinhardt Capsec. Now, you've got a lot of initials behind your name. You are the big dog, the head honcho of the Produce for Better Health Foundation. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. So what is the Produce for Better Health Foundation? The Produce for Better Health Foundation, or we something for short, PBH, um, is a purpose-driven organization that's 100% focused on promoting fruit and vegetable consumption and enjoyment for happier, healthier lives. And so that includes all forms of fruits and vegetables, fresh, frozen, canned, dried, and 100% juice, as well as, you know, when we talk about enjoyment, how to incorporate those fruits and vegetables into the foods we really love and maybe even eat every day. Maybe even eat every day. And we're, we're going to get into that because you guys have some really interesting stats. Um, and anybody listening, if you want to see a, a funny video, I did a whole video um, for them. I got a banana in my pocket. I'm just going to leave it at that. So <laughs> you can, and, and, when, and Wendy's actually wearing um, fruit earrings right now, <laughs> which, is, which is very fitting. All right. So you have a background in n- nutrition. Um, so, you know, where did you, where did you really start with nutrition and kind of, how did you get into it? You know what? Originally I wanted to be um, a physician. I wanted to deliver babies, honestly. And um, I decided that um, after my mom uh, experienced a pretty significant illness, she died of cancer is, you know, that really changed me and it changed me to think, gosh, I I actually really want to help people live, have healthy lives. And I want to work with well people. And so I, gosh, I did all the schooling for that, by the way, um, pretty much before you get ready to take the big test to go to medical school. So I had a lot of science. So I'm thinking, okay, what can I do um, that all these credits count and I can help people live healthy lives. And so I decided to get both my degrees in nutrition and exercise science, and then became a registered dietitian and uh, have had a great career in food and nutrition communications, as well as in large scale agriculture, vegetable agriculture. And that's led me to where I am today, leading the Produce for Better Health Foundation. I love fruits and vegetables. Most people do. Or they say they do. They say they do. Well, yeah, they, I mean, people, they, People do do say they do it. Uh, it's kind of funny. My wife sort of took a similar path. She she was on a pre med course, and then she realized like she ended up volunteering at a, at a fire department house, and then realized she's like, I don't know if I want to go through the turmoil and stuff of being a doctor. Mm-hmm. So then she got her master's in science and became a teacher for a while, and then um, took a you know a little path in modeling. Now she's you know stay at home mom, which is the most important job in the world. Um, so it's really interesting that you guys kind of parallel each other in, in, in doing that. But um, yeah, so people 
say they should eat fruits and they say they're eating fruits and vegetables. Um, but you guys have a ton of stats and research on that. And a little known fact about me is I didn't really have a fruit or vegetable for the most part until I was like 25 years old. Wow. Okay. And me being, you know, a fitness expert, uh, and I have nutrition certifications too, not at you know high level like you, but I knew that I should be having these things. And it wasn't until I was 25 uh, and my business partner at the time was former Mr. Australia and this big ripped like bulldog Marcus Australian guy. And he's like, mate, you need to eat your veggies if you're going to look good on stage. And I'm like, oh, you know, I, I don't need to do that. But it was really interesting for me once I started incorporating that, how my body started changing, my mind started changing and my mood too. And I really feel like the like bioavailability of the food and nutrient absorption, I, my palate changed. And now I, I really crave salads and grabbing an apple or a banana and not just to make a post. Like I, like it's absolutely delicious. So People are saying to, to circle back here, they're, they're saying that they're having these fruits and vegetables and they know that they should, should, but really that's not what the numbers are showing, is it? Right. So a couple of things, um, you know, everything we do at PBH is certainly rooted in food and nutrition science. And then when I came on board about four years ago, you know, the stats weren't like great four years ago either. Yeah. Um, people were not eating enough fruits and vegetables. Everyone says they want to, um, the, the spirit is willing, but the, but the body is weak or yeah. So, um, what we did was we looked at a lot of behavioral science and we came up with a framework that now guides everything we do. And it's called no K-N-O-W feel and do. And so it's like, okay, well, what are we doing wrong here? I mean, fruit and vegetables have been shown to decrease a lot of chronic illnesses. Um, there's a lot of data, which we can get into that's starting to show actually fruits and vegetables are in fact foods rooted in a better mood. They can improve your happiness. So I hope we get to talk more about that. Yes. And then over a period of time, when you experience or you feel the difference that can make the doing easy. So know, feel and do knowledge is really what a lot of you know organizations, public health, et cetera, have been focused on with fruits and vegetables. You know how many you need, how that, where that should go, um, maybe how to pick um, them up at the store and make sure you get a great flavor experience. But most of it's on like facts and figures, and then people go right to do, and this is what you should do. Hmm. And maybe we're missing a whole big great. Um, section in there, which is the feeling. And you've tapped into it already by saying there's immediate feelings. And then um, there's something called cultivating enjoyment. So immediacy, how do I feel immediately after eating fruits and vegetables? It's not about like, maybe I'll reduce my risk of heart disease or cancer later. That's really hard for people to kind of latch onto, right. but really how do I feel? And then um, how do I cultivate enjoyment? And if we cultivate enjoyment and we have positive experiences, it's more likely we're going to want to repeat those. And you said, gosh, now I crave um, fruits and vegetables. So I kind of like to say it's the difference between, you know, lust and love. Like <laughs> we need people to start lusting these things and then maybe we'll fall in love. Yeah. So um, what's the, the driver of your, of your organization? Like who, who's the, who's the backers, like farmers and people that, you know, want, want you to actually be having more produce, like, I mean, you got an organization like this, like there, there's got to be somebody behind you that's, you know, obviously wanting people to eat more fruits and vegetables. 
Yeah, so the Produce for Better Health Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit. So it's a charitable organization and mm-hmm. we receive donations from lots of different kinds of people, some individuals, mostly though the fruit and vegetable, like the broad-based fruit and vegetable industry, which includes mostly farmers, growers, etc. So um, yeah, they certainly are interested in people eating more fruits and vegetables. And we believe, and as do I, that fruits and vegetables are the plants no one's eating enough of. And they're the most healthful, delicious, beautiful plants on the planet. We just need to make it easy for consumers yeah. to actually enjoy them. And, and why do you feel that is? I mean, um, and people can check out, like you guys have specific numbers and everything on mm-hmm. like Gen Z and millennials and the older millennials and um, the older population, you know, based off of their fruit and vegetable consumption. It's just as a whole, it's going down. Why do you feel like that is? Yeah, you know, you're referencing um, the state, PBH's state of the plate, um, and we call that America's fruit and vegetable consumption trends. And what we see is that you referenced it, you know, consumption overall is eroding over time. And it's kind of like a slow drip or this truly a slow erosion. You know, at one point people were like relegating these vegetables to like some side dish, and now they're completely falling off the plate. Um, so what we've seen over the course of the last decade, or a little bit more than the last decade, is a doubled, almost a double-digit decline in fruit and vegetable consumption. And we weren't doing that great to start with. Yeah. Now, you mentioned a couple things, some specific trends. And I'll go into some of that, and then we can get into maybe more of the whys. Right. Um, is, you know, what we're seeing is fruit actually can be kind of a bright spot, um, like these pineapple earrings I'm wearing. Um, <laughs> well done. <laughs> nice job. But, but, that, but what we found in our research um, is that, you know, fruits and vegetables are kind of talked about together, but they're really different and they're different in the minds of consumers and they're different in terms of how people eat them. So actually fruit was, is, was going up and, um, you know, you don't have to do much. It kind of tastes good. It's sweet. And a lot of it can be grab and go. And I, I don't really have to do anything with it. I mean, maybe I want to wash it off a little bit, but I don't have to be smart about it. Whereas like vegetables, oh, there's effort there. I need to be smart about this. I need to know what to do with this. And a lot of people just aren't in a position to want to go there. So we actually see a 16% decline in vegetable consumption. And it's coming from all age groups, actually, along with juice. And let's just say for a second, let's just talk about little kids. Okay, so you have a little kid. Um, so age between ages one and eight, we're seeing a decline in in vegetable consumption as well as fruit consumption. And what's coupled with that, and it seems like, gosh, this shouldn't be the case, but is a lot of our millennial Gen Z, millennial parents and older Gen Z parents, these young parents of young kids, maybe like you, is they aren't eating vegetables really either. And so what's going on there? And is that having potentially a negative impact on let's say family eating patterns overall and certainly kids consumption? And are we essentially, um, you know, you said you didn't have a vegetable till you're 25 years old. Um, And gosh, I, I really, you know, we could be depriving collectively as Americans our overall health and happiness, but certainly all parents want to do the best by their children. And uh, I think that's a group where we would really want to say, gosh, you know, let's lean in 
on kids and young parents and really encourage them and empower them to do what they know they want to do, but really make it easy for them. And then I'm going to just jump right now to, you know, kind of what I would call our more mature Americans, our active or aging Americans. This is the group that we could be like, yes, they're doing it. They've been doing it forever. We can depend on them to keep these consumption numbers like reasonable. And you know what? They're declining their consumption too. Huh. And so that's kind of interesting, you know, now, right? Like, let's say, I remember when my dad turned 40, it was like black balloons. Now it's like, you know, once the pandemic lifts, if you will, it's like a huge vacation somewhere with like 40 of your friends. Right. So the expectations around age, um, you know, have changed, but I would say the silent generation, that 71 plus, they're still doing, they still have those fruit and vegetable consumption habits. They're also more likely to cook and, or be in a situation where now their meals are being cooked for them. The quote boomer generation, um, those are the ones that are living life a little bit differently these days and um, consumption is falling off for them too. So super interesting from an age perspective. Yeah. The implications I think are interesting, particularly for our young families. I mean, you know, we, my wife and I, we tried actually to see if we could, you know, help change our son's kind of, you know, palate by we, we started feeding him vegetables right away. Cause I'm like, okay, I don't want to give him, you know, the sweets or the, the, the processed, you know, kids food, which is obvious, you know, very nutritionally devoid. So, and we, we started giving him you know, like, you know, greens and sweet potatoes first and, and like kind of hiding it in his food, but we're consciously doing that. And I know that like, that that's how he's actually getting a lot of this and he'll have a, he'll have a green smoothie and he'll, he'll like doing that, but that's not the norm. I think for most parents and like you need to start it young because for, for my mom and bless her heart, like, I mean, the internet wasn't really available, maging myself a little bit, uh, was it wasn't that much available and the information wasn't you know, as available to her. So she tried to get me to eat, you know, broccoli, which great, but then she would spread like cheese or bacon all over it to try to get me to eat it. And I still wouldn't do it. So I think like in her head, she thought like, okay, she was doing that, but we're like frying something, which um, was really interesting. I'm mean, just from Southern Missouri. So I think everything was kind of fried. <laughs> right. no, you know, I'm you know, I'm from Missouri too, right? Um, you, yeah. I'm from St. Louis. I'm, from um, St. Louis I'm coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri right now. And so like we grew up on the same block or something because um, that's really how I grew up as well. So, you know, and I think that speaks to experience. We talked about those cravings before. I mean, are you craving? I am not craving um, the way some things were prepared when I was younger. Um, and so now, you know, we as young as parents have an opportunity to really do some basic things and and have kids have great experiences. And you know what, this is the hard part. This is a really hard part. You know, as a dietitian, when I was growing up, um, becoming a young dietitian, there were a lot of child feeding experts out there. And it was straight up, like, you are the parent, you are in charge, you get to get you get to decide the what and the kids get to decide how much and the how much really may be like, uh, like, literally like a taste. And it doesn't and let's say you have like, you've seen these pictures, they're viral on, um, you should do some with your kid is, you know, like tasting like certain foods for the first time, or even like pets, you know, to people give their pets broccoli and then like, you know, they gag or something. Um, it's really hilarious, but 
it's really something that has to be continually repeated because research shows that actually exposure um, over time for both parents and kids can actually increase liking. And so it's an exposure situation. And that can be tough for a lot of young parents who are like, uh, yeah, I tried that like two times and it did not go over well. Or I tried it five times. What if I told you it might take 15 times? Now I got now, and that's okay, by the way, yeah. um, don't give up and stick with it because repeated exposure at the very least makes things tolerable. And then at the very most can increase liking and maybe over time craveability um, if the experience can be positive. So, so there's some real research behind what we're talking about here. Um, I wanna make a mention, like you, you talk about um, information. So if we go back to that no feel do idea. Information is really good um, when we can have a positive experience, even if it's not tied to liking the fruit or vegetable. But let's say it's about pride, like I'm doing the best by my family, or it's straight up joy because it tastes good. Most kids, um, based on you know their taste preferences. Uh, breast milk, for example, is sweet. So kids and babies, when you're trying those first foods, yeah, there's a reason why we like might even mix a few things together because it makes it more palatable. Um, it, you know, what we found, one thing that we did really differently here is we looked at frequency. And so a lot of times when you hear stats on consumption of certain things, it's based on volume. And volume obviously is an important volume in certain parts of the literature is that's what's connected to that re reduced reduction of disease or happiness even. But what we looked at was frequency. And frequency is important because it indicates habit forming. So you are a fitness expert and specialist. And so um, people repeating their interactions with you um, and it, it's like a habit, you know what I mean? And now when, and I think this is easy actually from a workout standpoint, it's like, oh my gosh, I feel bad if I don't see Joey or I don't work out or I miss my boot camp or whatever that is. I feel different. And the same thing can happen with fruits and vegetables too. One thing we found, I want to go back to this research on frequency. And what we found in this most recent research is that most consumers, most Americans are eating vegetables just once a day and fruit even less. So that means like, maybe what I would call kind of our condiment consumers. I didn't say condoms. I said condiment <laughs> consumers. Okay. And that Thanks is clarifying. Appreciate yeah, it. I just got to say that um, is this is like, you know, I have my lettuce and my tomato on my sandwich or my burger. I'm down with that. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Let's figure out some more ways of doing that. Um, but fruit even less. So even like the banana that was in your pocket, it's not even going with the coffee in the morning. Yeah. And coffee is, is a habit, you know, that's a habit yeah. forming. It's the number one food really in America. People it fuel their bodies with that. Um, so habits are a big one. What we did in this recent research too, is we looked at people who, what we call high frequency consumers, they're, these are people who are actually like meeting these recommendations of five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. And you know what they're doing? They're eating fruits and vegetables at every meal and or snack occasion. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, some other research we did, and it really delves into the psychological literature, is people who eat fruits and vegetables on most days per week, six to seven days per week. These are the people that are most likely eating the most fruits and vegetables, meaning they're getting that five a day. And those are the ones that are reporting greater overall psychological measures of life satisfaction and happiness. 
Really? Now, that, that's interesting. Um, what do you think is that? Is that an overall lifestyle? Because I mean, you, you, you sometimes you'll see research and like, well, yeah, of course, somebody that walks more is healthier or, or something like that, or avoids X, Y, and Z food or sleeps more. But do you feel like people that are having, you know, more fruits and vegetables and, and meeting those requirements, do you feel like they're their habits are healthier overall, or do you feel like the driver is you know, actually the food? You know, what's interesting. It's like, okay, are those people like glass half full people or glad, you know, like, is yeah. there something like that? Um, what we found is that those people, those high frequency consumers, they also state the same barriers as people who are not eating fruits and vegetables very often. So it's like, okay, well, what's that about? You know what a lot of it's tied to is we found that planning ahead is significant. And in this most recent research, high frequency consumers, because they're eating fruits and vegetables at every snack and or meal occasion, and this goes back to your comment about your mom and information is these people are the ones that are actually looking for the recipes because they want to keep it fresh and exciting. And like, they're super engaged in experimentation because they need new ideas, okay? Like they're always looking for what's next. Um, whereas um, the other thing about high frequency too, about the kids is that they are less likely to be influenced by what the kids are saying they want for their meals and or snacks, hmm. okay? There's something really interesting about that based on what I said around you parents, you get to decide the what, the kids get to decide how much, and by the way, that how much might be a taste 15 times over, like you got to stay strong with that. Like, don't give up. Okay. Um, and then the low frequency consumers, it makes actually, they, they are looking for someone else to do it for them. They're more likely to look for fruits and vegetables in food service, meaning like it could be quick service, drive through, whatever, um, because they don't want to chop there. They might even be less likely to be interested in like all these great recipes that people are putting on Instagram. They might look at them, but they're not going to do them. Right. They're more interested. These are the light consumers. These are the once a day on my burger and sandwiches, condiment consumers, maybe a side of fruit because that's the default or something. That's who these people are. These are the people that need what I would call more assembly ideas, super easy ideas. What are you already doing? And let's integrate the fruits and vegetables there. I think that's a great place to start for most Americans. Um, and it's kind of the same as fitness, right? I mean, the people who are exercising every day they're switching it up. They're keeping yeah. it fresh. You know, it's the same thing. Um, we just need to get people like doing something. Well, that, that's actually a, a valid point. Not everybody loves working out every single day and people are like, well, Joe, you just like working out. Like, I like the way it make me, makes me feel sometimes. Do I want to work out? Absolutely not. But it, it's really interesting when you think about it for fruit and vegetable consumption. And there's years and years of research of why you should be having this, but people don't really look at it as like, this is something that you just need to practice and, and put it into your daily life. And, you know, maybe you might not like that broccoli initially, but then your palate will change and your mind will change and your body will start changing. And then you start incorporating it because you know that it makes you feel good. So how can people yeah. start doing that a little yeah. bit more? Like, how can they consciously do that? Yeah. So one of the things I like the research shows 
And what I like to talk about is um, we might say prioritize plants first or eat fruits and veggies first. So this recent research let us know that no one really almost like maybe one person in America or something is eating fruits and or vegetables as an appetizer occasion. Okay. And other research shows that when, for example, when children are served fruits and vegetables before the meal, they actually consume more. So let's now take those two pieces of our, those two insights and put that into context with a super easy, you know, trend that's out there. Let's talk about charcuterie boards. First of all, it's super fun to say charcuterie board. Um, <laughs> say it again. Say, say it with me. Say it with me, everybody. <laughs> Or cootery. Yeah, you can even, you know, put different, you know, accents on that. And um, so this is kind of, let's think about now it's like an appetizer board. So I get to put basic stuff. Okay, nothing too crazy. Um, you know, fresh cut veggies, some fruit, by the way, that could be dried fruit, it could be fresh cut fruit. Um, and now I get to pair that with like what people are kind of really also thinking about my favorite meats cheeses, nuts and seeds, um, maybe even a little bit of dark, dark chocolate. I put that out in a super appetizing way. And um, now people are actually eating it. And I've seen that in my own house, even in my own entertaining, you know, I cut up being um, the leader of a fruit and vegetable organization, people send me like new varieties and stuff and I get to try them out. Mm. And so I had these amazing, they're called sweet bee apples. They're not available everywhere. It was kind of like the first harvest, if you will. And I got these for a special box and I put them out and people are like, oh my gosh, this tastes amazing. Yeah, because you know, you don't do it often. It was super delicious. And then I paired it with all their favorite stuff and it was a winner. Um, but how can like, that's, you know, that could even be a little too much for some people. What if we just had some fresh cut fruit, for example, or a little, you know, a little pack of raisins or something, you're giving that to those little hands to keep them busy during the witching hour while you're trying to get the meal prepared. Uh -huh. um, could be a little bit of carrot sticks, maybe a little bit of dip with that because every kid loves dip. Um, this is a good thing. Now we're ahead of the game. So fruits and veggies first and or considering, you know, tying that into an appetizer trend. If we serve it first, we're more likely to eat more of it over a period of time, certainly within the context of that meal. Hmm. That's the first one. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, there, there was a study, I think it was University of Michigan or Michigan State, I can't remember, where, where they looked at um, people, if they take away the food they're not, they're not supposed to eat and um, and having all this processed food versus if they just added more fruits and vegetables into their day and they looked at their overall calorie consumption. And it turned out that the people just added fruits and vegetables ate less overall calories yeah. because they were adding these good things. So I think often the mindset of like, like depriving yourselves of these things because you need to have these other different things. If we, if just switch it and you guys are good about doing this about just giving little uh, tidbits of information um, and actionable items. Like if you just start adding that beforehand, I mean, even if people aren't trying to lose weight, they're probably going to have overall less calories and be more satiated just from the, the nutrients and the fiber and everything that's in, in the, the fruits and vegetables. Yeah. And then we said about like, um, you know, people experience like greater overall happiness is kind of like unusual. Yeah. Uh, so that's great. Everybody needs a little more of that. Um, my second tip, and you're alluding to this is pair fruits and veggies with your favorite foods. And you can really do this at I mean, this sounds like the, but breakfast, lunch, dinner, maybe even dessert. Okay. Right. And so breakfast, like if you are eating, we found out in our research that cereal, hot or cold is the number one food paired with fruit, hands down. Hmm. All right. 
Um, can you add some fruit on top of your cereal in the morning? I mean, can we do, is that cool? Um, could be even instant oatmeal, you know, even McDonald's has, oat, and Dunkin' Donuts has, because Dunkin' Donuts, because you're in Chicago. Um, <laughs> I have it now too, is, um, you know, there's drive-through and it's like dried fruits on top of that. I mean, this is, we can do this. America, we can do this. So top your, your cereal hot or cold with fruit. What about adding some colorful veggies to like egg dishes? This mm -hmm. is so easy to do. A little spinach, a little pepper. Now this is beautiful. I like really want to eat this. Um, obviously there's some great grab and go kind of snacks. Uh, whole fruits, an easy one. Certainly cut up veg is another one. Dried fruits, another one. Now you can actually get dried fruit jerky even if you want that. Um, so super easy from a snacking perspective at maybe a handful of nuts with that. Now you've got some staying power lunch. I talked about burgers before, you know, um, ask for, consider this a little extra lettuce, a little extra tomato. What about not if you're going out with someone else that doesn't love onions, but maybe some onions on, on those burgers and sandwiches. Can I pair that with a side salad? or even like just a little cup of fruit. By the way, it could be one of those, like um, we would call it a, a pouch or a canned fruit cup kind of idea. I mean, I'm in, I just want you to get this, okay? So that's super easy to do. And then what about dinner? You know, most people are like, they, they have their family favorites, taco Tuesdays, pizza Fridays. What if we just said like maybe the Michigan or the, the study that you're referencing it's like, can we just add a little more avocado, um, have some great salsa with our Taco Tuesdays, pack up the pizza with a little bit more peppers, maybe some mushrooms. Um, we could even use one of those super fancy crusts now that are made out of cauliflower. I mean, there, we can do this. And then, you know, not to be outshined, no one eats fruit as dessert anymore. And I get it. You know, I like some indulgence too. Right. Um, but actually the, that, remember that 71 plus, that silent generation, they, they eat fruit for they eat fruit for dessert a lot of times. And so there's a way for us to, you know, maybe we want to put a little bit of dark chocolate shavings on there, but that could be really great too. And so I'm all for the chocolate covered strawberry, the chocolate drizzle, the chocolate shavings sprinkled on top. It can be easy and you will like it. Good. Yeah. Actually it's, it's funny because, um, you know, my, my wife's family and the Greeks, they always, they'll, they'll have their, their big meal. And then afterwards they're like, uh, like 10 minutes or 20 minutes afterwards. And also they'll bring out a big fruit plate or yeah. whatever. And I'm like, I just ate like, Oh, it's, it, it's fruit. It's good for you. You need like, so then they'll just bring, it's, it's really interesting. Or an hour later, they'll, they'll be like, are you hungry? Like, no. And then they'll bring out a big tray of fruit. And I'm like, well, I just ate like, well, fruit's not food. They almost consider it like something like, it's really interesting that they just like, you just need to have it. Um, yeah. and, and they need, and that's actually how I started um, eating a lot more fruit. And for me, one of the things that I do is I'll take like Greek yogurt or something or, uh, and, and I'll put some blueberries or maybe a little chocolate protein powder in it as my dessert. So I'm one of, I'm, I'm, that, I'm that outlier that will have the uh, fruit as a dessert. Cause I need that something sweet afterwards, especially if it was like a, you know, a, a salty meal or something. I, I like having that, that sweetness is quite delicious. Yeah. So fruits and veggies first, pair these foods with your favorite meals and snacks. And then here's the last one, which is repeat, repeat, repeat. And so um, habit forming takes a while. It needs to have, you need to have a great experience. It's not always awesome, but you know, we can get into the habit, but habit takes repetition. And so if we look at the study of habit forming is habits where I'll use brushing your teeth. Okay. 
So there's an instant feeling that comes with brushing your teeth, but there's also the automatic act of brushing your teeth in the same context every day. So for example, I brush my teeth, you know, I get up, I go to the bathroom, I take a shower, I brush my teeth, or I brush my teeth before I, I don't know, definitely wash your hands after you go to the bathroom. I mean, I, you know, it's in the same context yeah. every, every day. Um, public service announcement here. Um, but, you know, that's kind of how fruits and vegetables, you just talked about essentially an automatic behavior, particularly after you've had something savory, you want a sweet taste in your mouth and you're gonna do that thing again. And you're, you're going to have a pleasurable experience that satisfied something for you in the immediate sense, but now it becomes a habit over time. It's just part of your repertoire. It's the same thing with the fruit platter and your, and your wife's family. It's part of what we do. It's, it's what we do. And so um, it's the same thing with fitness as well, right? In the same context, you know, I'm going to schedule this and I'm going to repeat it over a period. And now it becomes what I do. And when it's not there, that's actually when I notice not the fact that I have to get it there. Right. Um, yeah, so it's that repetition over time that builds habits. And if you can do it in the same context, even better, meaning always fruits and veggies first. Taco Tuesdays, we're gonna load it up. Maybe we switch up which ones, but we're gonna have a new fruit or veggie every time with that. Pizzas, I'm gonna now put out all the toppings because now I want everybody to personalize it. You have to put at least one veg on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It becomes just part of what we do. Hmm. I like that. Now, who, for years, people wouldn't ever argue like fruits and vegetables are good for you. But recently, like there's people that talk about like anti-nutrients and oxalates and, and things that maybe you shouldn't be having like fruits and, and vegetables that could be, you know, causing lack of nutrient absorption. What, what's your feeling on that, that sort of um, information that's out there? Like, I mean, plant paradox and Dr. Stephen Gundry and there's, and carnivore diet, right? Like they say, like these vegetables are bad for you, but we've been told for years and years and years that we need to be having this stuff. I just don't feel that the research really supports either, you know, one food in isolation or like an, a, a straight up elimination mm -hmm. approach, you know, that's just, you know, I'm an equal opportunity fruit and veggie lover here. And um, I think they're all amazing. And the bottom line is nobody fruits and veggies straight up the plants, no one's eating enough of. And I think they pair really great with all the foods that are a part of some of those other, um, you know, if you want to call them like diet patterns or diet constructs or fad diets, mm -hmm. um, whatever. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say no to that. And I'm going to say yes to eating more fruits and veggies, all kinds of them, fresh, frozen, canned, dried, hundred percent juice, organic, conventional, um, at breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. And the research shows that if you can get those five servings a day, um, you know, you're going to, yeah, you know, decrease your risk for disease, but I'm really interested in this. You're going to feel happier and uh, you're going to be more satisfied and hopefully you're going to want to repeat that experience over time. Look, look at that, that spoken like a true leader. Boom, mic drop. That was a good answer. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you, you talked about how when people don't, we, when we eat, we don't just eat one singular thing. So what about studies that are pointing at like just juice? not being good for you. I mean, you guys, your whole mission is about having like a whole compilation of fruits and vegetables and pairing it with whatever, whether it's actually having meat or not. 
Um, you know, and there was a recent the Harvard study that came out just talking about like juice. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that of people just like having juice and then what that study was saying? Yeah. So um, on, on the juice front, you know, even the recent research, I mentioned that there's double digit declines in juice consumption across the board, all age groups. So what's contributing to that? Well, certainly, as you know, there's been a lot of talk about that and even major health organizations or like um, the American Academy of Pediatrics, for example, or the American Dental Association. And these are really well-respected groups. They've really, you know, talked about juice, for example, in a certain construct, like less juice maybe than before. What's kind of interesting when we look at the consumption numbers, it's not like people are um, replacing juice with whole fruit. Right. So what does somebody like me now think about that? Well, first of all, the dietary guidelines for America say fruit and fruit and vegetable juices can count towards consumption. Should we like anything else eat them within the context of, you know, what the recommendations are kind of telling us like no juice, no, all juice, no. Uh, we should be looking at that as one option. And so when I look at juice consumption across the board decreasing, I think, hey, maybe that's not so great because people are, you know, not replacing it with whole fruit. And so the pendulum, it's like swings from one to the other. I, I'm, I'm just like, can we be reasonable about this here? Um, you know, I think a lot of people use juice as a smoothie vase, mm-hmm. um, you know, so why not? I, I think it's a little extreme to say no juice or all juice, right? We're, let's be real here. Okay. When my kids were little, they, they like juice. Am I giving it to them? Like all the, t- like only that? No, <laughs> like just be reasonable. Yeah. This isn't hard. I think people make food hard. It doesn't need to be. And I think that's what turns people off. Behavioral science would say, if you want people to do something, you have to make it easy. Can True. we stop it hard because maybe us making it hard is making it really hard for consumers and that's why these consumption numbers continue to erode right i mean you know we, we all want everything easy right now and especially you know with with covid everything's being delivered to our door and food and stuff and i, I think that you can still choose to make better you know nutritional options and now like you can get your whole foods delivered to you or you can get your fruit and vegetables delivered to you or or you can get your fast food delivered to you and i mean it's all about that that choice and um, you're right. We, we do have the, you know, the freedom of choice. And I think a lot of people use that as an excuse, like something being fast and gone are the days now where you can't get some sort of healthy food fast. I mean, it can show up at your door now, which is crazy. You know, you open your phone, we haven't been to the grocery store in close to a year now it gets delivered to our door, which is kind of wild. Yeah, it is kind of wild. you know, but I don't want to put all of that, like on people like, Hey, you have to choose all this stuff. I'm trying to say, let's make it easy. Like, what are you currently doing? Should you all of a sudden start eating some vegetable that you know, you hate? No, (laughs) like, if, if you're a, if you, somebody comes to you and they've never exercised in their life, are you saying, well, you know what, let's get you ready for that marathon tomorrow. No, we're taking it step by step. Let's let's meet you where you are. What are you willing to do today? What are you willing to do tomorrow? What can we do next week? What do you love doing? And that's what we're talking about here too. It's like, I I will tell you, I did a media tour recently 
And, um, you know, I was talking, the guys are behind the camera, right? And by the end of this, I'm like, do you just not, after hearing me say this 34 times to all, like 34 different cities, do you not want to eat fruits and vegetables? They're like, you know what? I've been really thinking about it now. And I need to just add fruit to my cereal in the morning. Yes. <laughs> Mic drop number two. Nice work. Yeah. <laughs> what about uh, organic versus, you know, regular? Is it? Is that, you know, something that you guys look into that you're pushing more organic or, you know, less pesticides or spray crops or anything like that? Or is it, are you guys really even concerned about that? You know what? I'm so glad you asked this question. You know what? I'm concerned when people feel like they don't have any choices. And so I know we said like, we don't want to put all the choice, like make people feel bad about they need to make the right choice, but right. I want people to have the choice. And so there's no doubt that um, there's a group of consumers that are searching out more organic options. Most growers, fruit and vegetable growers, particularly larger scale growers, they're actually doing, they're actually growing both. So they're growing both organic and conventional because there's a market for both. Just like um, you're doing a podcast and you have clients and because, you know, that's what the people want. You want to reach, reach lots of different people. Right. So, um, I'm a fan, like I said before, I'm an equal opportunity fruit and veggie lover. I love conventional. I love organic. I love it all. I want people to eat it. Okay. So there are some, you know, reports out there that try to make people feel like super bad for eating one or the other. And I just think that's ridiculous. And um, I just want people to eat more fruits and vegetables. Clearly um, people are not eating enough. And I am not a fan of people who like to use fear and instill fear so that people feel paralyzed and actually don't eat any. Right. And that's what I think happens. Well, I mean, there's, we could do a, a multitude of podcasts on, 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 on fear. And yeah. that, that's not what we're going to talk about. Okay. Um, what is your, this has been, you're very entertaining, by the way. So nice job. Uh, <laughs> what's your hope for the future of our plates? Yeah, I wish that fruits and veggies would be take center stage. And it doesn't mean that like we're all eating vegetarian or vegan. It just means that we're making, we're thinking about fruits and veggies first. We're pairing them with our favorite foods. If we want to be straight up vegan or vegetarian, that's awesome too. I just want people to eat more plants. And so at the Produce for Better Health Foundation, we have a movement. It's an award-winning movement. It's called Have a Plant. It's my invitation to you to eat more. I'm putting my hands out to you um, to eat more plants and fruits and veggies are the plants that no one is eating enough of. And so I invite you to have a plan and here it is, have a plant and do your best to eat fruits and veggies first and incorporate them in your favorite foods. Have a plan, have a plant. That's, that's a good slogan. Nice job. Thanks. And your shirt too. Yeah. <laughs> in, ca in case you're, you're listening to this, she's, she's got, got a shirt, have a plan, have a plant. Uh, Wendy, where can people find out more information about your organization? Yeah, so people can go to fruitsandveggies.org and, you know, a lot of, so many people are on the go. So on social media, um, it would be at fruits and veggies with the exception of Twitter, which is at fruits underscore veggies. So if you're looking for the moment to moment, you know, you might be following Twitter, but always there's a lot on Instagram, et cetera. So we would love to have more people use the hashtag have a plant because you know what we found 
is that there's a lot of people like right now listening. There's a lot of people watching and there's a lot of people looking out and wanting to be really successful here. And they know they want to add more fruits and veggies. They want to feel connected, particularly in this time. And a lot online, there's a lot of opportunities to drive connectivity online and uh, drive positive interaction and inspiration. And so the hashtag is something that anybody can use and, um, and you can follow it too and get a lot of tips, tricks, trends, ideas, ask questions, and you can find more information at fruitsandveggies.org. Amazing. Yeah, you guys have lots of different information on there and recipes, and there is a, a plethora of info. And I remember when I went on there, I was actually very surprised at how much information is on there, and it was very well done. Thank you. Yeah, you know, you want to give people like the basics, right? So there's a whole section on fruits and veggies. We're always updating that. It's kind of like a database. How do I select, store, serve, savor? Maybe some ideas for sharing this in social media um, to get that inspiration rocking. And, um, and that's for almost every fruit and vegetable that we can think of. Um, there's a lot of recipes, like you noted. And then there's a lot of just real encouragement stories, like tips and tricks kind of stories from people, other registered dietitians, people in the fitness space, um, or people just in that overall healthy lifestyle space that are super passionate about helping people live happier, have healthier lives with fruits and veggies. Amazing. Well, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Remember, don't be a fatty, F-A-D-D-Y. See, I know you're going to love that one. Be a part of the future. I'm Joy Thurman. I will see you soon. Take care. Awesome.